Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. So hello and welcome to the DNF1 F1 podcast, the show where we take all of the latest and interesting news in the world of Formula One and we relay it to you guys for your listening and of course viewing pleasure as well. And as, as always, my name is Adam, one of the hosts of the DNF1 F1 podcast and joining me wearing his Clarendon Blue for West Ham after a very, very successful victory tonight. It's Mr. Courtney Pine. Courtney, obviously I don't need to ask you, but I'm going to anyway. How are you doing this evening? Yeah, I'm doing great. You said brilliant result for West Ham, but we're here to talk about Formula One. And today's probably the first day where I really feel like the new season is around the corner. And I'm, just, I'm, I'm buzzing for the new season. I've, I've got a feeling this, this season could be special. Absolutely right. It's certainly not going to be a dull one, despite those thinking that it's a stopgap for 2022 where the real show begins well if that is the case it's certainly going to be a mouth-watering appetizer and as you said Courtney the first car to break cover and show off its dazzling new livery although we say new rather a very similar livery on the surface of it and of course that is the McLaren team now of course very surprising to see uh, some of the teams breaking cover so early before preseason testing. But of course, let's not forget preseason testing was moved back to accommodate the gap that was created following the Australian Grand Prix having to be postponed for later in the year. That is why, of course, some teams would have been ready a lot sooner than others. And some teams may have decided to revise their car launches. But as part of this little mini series that we've got, before the start of the new season every team that breaks cover and reveals a new livery we are going to show that to you and discuss that on the podcast here so if you want to get our take on all of the new cars and all of the new liveries from the dnf1 team you've got nowhere else to go then the youtube channel dnf1 make sure to like share and subscribe to that as well help us get to 200 and then beyond that and of course if you are listening to us on your favorite podcasting platform thank you very much indeed and you will get all the latest the same episodes same content from us of course you won't be able to watch it but we'll be there between your ears for your listening pleasure and before we go any further Courtney or actually say before we go any further uh kind of midst of my words here uh let's let's not waste any more time on this let's have a look at the new McLaren so first things first Courtney uh what did you think of the launch it was a, a little bit different to what we were used to of course being the first car launch in a Covid world it seems strange to say that given how long this has been going for but uh what did you think of the launch overall did you enjoy it yeah I've got to say I think the uh the part where they recorded um, their new theme song, whatever it is, I thought that was bloody hilarious. Um, I think I think they've done the right thing. I think they put the emphasis on a new driver lineup. You know, some people might not like this, but the, the biggest emphasis on McLaren is going to be the dynamic between Lando and Dan Ricciardo. And I just feel they they McLaren knew this. I thought it was a good marketing ploy. 
And I just, I just thought it was a good, a good side piece to keep people engaged before the new car came along. But the car itself is exciting. This, this team could be the dark horses of 2021. Yeah, absolutely right. And uh, before we talk about the car in great detail, you, you know, you're right with the launch. It was actually quite a fun one to watch. I've seen so many different car launches and being a Ferrari fan, usually the one I often look forward to the most. It's such a dull production. And I, I mean this with the greatest respect, but it's kind of like um, football fans might relate to this. Whenever you watch the Champions League or Europa League draws and they go through the whole show, of like an hour or half an hour, however long it is of just absolutely nothing to do with football or anything like that it's just dancing and musicals and god only knows what you can imagine nothing really that interests me I just want to see the car and in McLaren's case yes of course there was a bit of an element to that but it was condensed in a really fun way you know we got to see the drivers have a little talk with them first before we saw the car um of course you, you mentioned the segment where uh Lando and Daniel were going to uh Grove Studios in in the UK to record the new theme or the new anthem for McLaren in 2021, which I'm sure we will hear very, very soon. Look forward to that. Um, first things first, Courtney, I've got to say, Lando Norris did surprise me. Quite a talent on the guitar, actually. And as a fellow guitar player myself, um, obviously, you know, different standards, but very impressive stuff from Lando, mm. I must say. Yeah, it was because he went into the studio and he, he was like, yeah, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be very good at this. But uh, these guys... These guys are talented. They seem to pick up on things very quickly. But what I found quite interesting with Lando is that when he was getting interviewed by Natalie Pinkham, he's determined to take on a bit more of a leadership role in his team. He wasn't saying, I'm going to be the number one driver, but he made a couple of interesting points, you know, with, with Carlos going, he's been the main man at McLaren and he's been, it's going to be his third season in Formula One. And he's very interested in the mechanical side of things. And I don't know, he's, He's clearly going to be sticking to the social media, but I'm sensing a bit of a shift where he actually wants to be taking the sport a little bit more seriously in the the, the mechanical side to give himself an edge. And I don't think it's going to be as easy for Daniel as we first thought. No, and with the greatest respect to Lando Norris, I think it's a very important step that he needs to take in 2021 you know you rightly mentioned Lando wanted to take more of a leadership perhaps not a leader role but he needs to really lead with the experience he has of course Daniel the much more experienced driver in Formula One but this is a new team for Daniel and Lando having been there already for two seasons well five years in all with the McLaren project is very much accustomed to the environment he knows the personnel he knows the car he knows the inner workings he is the experienced guy in the McLaren team so just because he is significantly younger than Daniel with all due respect he is not a rookie by any stretch and the last thing Lando is going to want this season is for someone like Daniel to come into the team and literally just take over straight away you know we often joke and enjoy the relationship that Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz shared and Carlos will have a similar experience once he goes to Ferrari as well with Charles Leclerc but um you know that the the camaraderie usually stops the moment that the engines go on and they go out on the track but it was always a respectful rivalry with Ricardo I expect something similar but to a degree Lando cannot afford to allow Daniel Ricciardo to run the team in the way that he probably did when he was at Renault. And I can only see that paradigm shifting even more towards the seat, the driver that, you know, wins that rivalry between the two of them. It's a very, very big rivalry. I think a lot of people 
are going to realise how significant the battle between these two will be throughout this year. Could get fiery, you know, don't Yeah, think... I sensed yeah. it. I don't know about you. Like, I know they know we're having a laugh, but I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm over-reading it. I, I don't know. I, I sensed the determination in Lando. And, you know, it's one of the things we've mentioned a couple of times. It's a little bit of a shame, as, as great as it is, that, you know, the, the stuff on social media you see with Lando, some of the memes, you know, some of the songs that you've seen them do, not seeing... It's been hilarious. Let's let's not forget that. You know, it's it's brought some light to 2020 for some people. But Lando Norris is quick. I remember supporting Lando. I actually supported Lando against George Russell when they were racing together in F2. Lando was uh, it's, it's easy to throw around, but Lando was once sort of labelled the next Lewis Hammond. He, he was labelled the next big thing in British um, motorsport because of what he's doing in junior categories. I don't know. No, it just for for me as a Formula One fan primarily, it's a bit of a shame that Lando's kind of known more as a meme lord rather than a racing driver. And I'm hoping this season it gets that balance even better than because he made an improvement last season. Mm. But I'm hoping that we see more of that again in 2021. Yeah, I mean, 2020 was a very strong year for Lando. He got his first podium, the youngest podium of a British driver in history of Formula One. And you're right this year he will need to make that step up and he will need to showcase his talents even more I mean we haven't seen much success for this new cohort of British drivers as of yet um other than the odd occasion I mean George Russell had the go in the Mercedes and really showed everyone who didn't already know how special a talent he is um you know Alex Albon it was a bit on and off with Red Bull ultimately we'll have to wait and see what happens with him when he comes back if he comes back to Formula One but in Lando's case he had a, I wouldn't say he had a difficult time. He had a, you know, it was a very good season for him, very good results, but he was very much under the radar. You know, he just went about his business, yeah. did the job for McLaren um, and he had a strong season and people say, yeah, pretty strong, but just not quite as good as Carlos Sainz. And that's a hard barometer to measure Lando against, but it's the only one you can really fairly judge him up against his former teammate. And the same will be said for him this year, whereas McLaren's expectations at minimum will be to maintain that third place. And that is going That's to prove right. to be probably even more difficult than it was to get it last season with the, you know, resurgence of Ferrari this season. We're expecting Aston Martin, of course, being involved. Alpine, you know, going to be strong this season. So McLaren have got a lot to be optimistic for, but they will need both of their drivers to be really at the top of their game. And, and that may create some fiery situations and battles between them throughout the season. But it will be very interesting to see how well that brings out the best in him. I think it can only be good for McLaren. I don't think we're going to end up in a situation like Prost Senna or Hamilton Alonso or anything like that. I'm expecting two drivers like like Lando and Carlos were last season to really bring the best out of each other and put in the good results for McLaren, which they very much will need this season, perhaps more than most going into a new era next season. But, you know, we talked about those guys. Let's talk a bit about Daniel Ricciardo as well, because... You know, we've we already mentioned Lando, an important season for him um, to really make that next step in his development and really not necessarily move away from the meme lord that we refer to him, but really showcase more of those skills that we know he has on the track. Exactly. You know, rather than being known for uh, being a lad who acts his age, I suppose is the best way to put it, um, with all due respect. But Daniel Ricciardo, new team, new surroundings, of course, Familiar with working in the UK, working in Milton Keynes with Red Bull, working in Enstone with Renault. Now he's come to Woking with McLaren. And this is a team that Daniel himself, during this launch, said that he followed them very much. I mean, he said he was a fan of Formula One in general, growing up in Italy, 
with that background uh you know there was obviously ferrari were a huge influence on him and a big fan of them but also a fan of mclaren too and there's the the bruce mclaren dynamic as well obviously not new zealander australian and new zealander but from that part of the world i think it's fair to say it kind of brings a sense of homecoming to mclaren and forgive me for those of you red bull fans or renault fans or alpine in this case for me saying this but it does seem that daniel ricciardo fits at mclaren more than perhaps he's done anywhere else in his career it does seem a move where the driver and the team will complement each other very much i mean courtney in your mind um obviously daniel was going to have an adjustment period to get used to this car but how long do you expect it will take Daniel to get on top of this McLaren and really start to deliver the performances that we saw him deliver on a regular basis, particularly towards the back end of last season at Renault? It seems that there's a newfound energy with Daniel. I know we saw it with um, Renault last season, but there's a lot of excitement around McLaren. You know, Daniel would have been begging for a Mercedes engine since 2014. He's finally got his wish. And he is, he's, he's joined a team where there is a lot of optimism. You know, we've in, in the past, we've discussed predictions and McLaren recently. We've, we've, we've stated the obvious change in culture. If you look back at the time when Alonso and Van Dorn were at McLaren, they seemed to be stagnant. There didn't seem to be much optimism about the place, but they made some changes in management. They managed to get the Mercedes engine back and they've got two hungry drivers. And it just seems, it just seems to me that if they carry on on this momentum, this team could go places. And Daniel recently stated this before this uh, launch, shall we say. He did state that this is his, probably his best chance to win a world championship long-term if this dynamic works. So he's going to be going for this. And and you see it with both of these drivers, and I think that's what makes you right at them. I think that it could get far between these two because they're both very determined. And if this car isn't any good and they they could potentially be competing for podiums, then you're right that there's no reason why these guys can't compete at a similar level and we could see some drama between the two. And you know what? That could only be good for the sport. Absolutely. And as long as McLaren handle this in the right way, and that's a huge ask because it's very difficult even for the biggest of teams to handle this sort of situation. I mean, look at Ferrari. Uh, Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel had a really, really um, amicable relationship between them. They've gone really well. Very much a student-teacher uh, relationship but mm. at times it, it did seem who was the teacher and who was the student really uh, after not so long but even then they had their moments where you know it got very feisty and more often than not ended up with both Ferraris having issues colliding into each other I don't think McLaren are going to have the same issue with Daniel and Lando but sometimes you never know I mean Daniel in the fight for supremacy with Max Verstappen at Red Bull we saw how tense that got you know, he had the odd moment with Sebastian Vettel. Um, Carlos and Lando were a lot more respectful, but I don't really think we saw them to really fight each other on the track. Most of the time they were fighting each other in qualifying. That's where we saw the battle between them. But this year is going to be a big year for McLaren. So they will have to manage that dynamic. Easier said than done. But as you said, that rivalry can only bring out the best in both of them. And I'm confident it will do well for McLaren. So it's very exciting to see. And um, as said, you're right on Daniel's point. Uh, he wants to win championships. I think this is the best place for him to do it. As I said last season, quite often, I thought Ferrari should have signed him. But given where McLaren are right now, I would say either choice, be it Ferrari or McLaren, I think he'd been in a good team to try and win world championships. Not necessarily this season. Um, that fight is most likely going to be between Mercedes and Red Bull. 
But Daniel's certainly in the right car at the right place at the right time of his career to really try and have a good go at it. And hopefully McLaren and Ricardo in particular will be involved in championship battles over the next couple of years. It's certainly exciting to see and I cannot wait to see how it pans out. So looking at the car now, this is the part that most of you have probably tuned into this episode for. For those of you who haven't already seen the car, you would have noticed already watching on YouTube that we've got the car pictures rolling on a loop on there. So hopefully you're enjoying it. feature. Absolutely. This is going to be a feature of our new uh, car launch mini series, if you like, with every single team that we're going to be covering uh, over the winter break. So hopefully they have a launch of livery at some point where we'll be able to see something, even if it's just talking about the livery and they don't give us much detail on the actual cars. Of course, there might be some subtle changes that will be included in testing. This is we're seeing a car that's practically four weeks. Um, it's going to be four weeks old by the time it goes out for testing. But looking at the car itself, Courtney, um, the livery itself hasn't changed at all you'd be forgiven for thinking that they'd literally just dressed it in last year's livery minus one or two subtle changes I mean are you a fan of the McLaren livery for this season or do you feel that perhaps they could have been a bit more bold or gone for something a bit more um, old school like they used to I think it's uh, pretty much a case of if it's, uh, if it's not broke don't fix it um, I like the look of the car orange and blue um, or papaya should we say um, complementary colours I think it looks good. Uh, they've, they've changed the rainbow. I thought I thought the rainbow and the halo was a little bit too much, mm. and they've made that subtle change where they've taken it from the halo to the uh, by the, just just behind the side pods, isn't it? Where the cooling is. Yeah, it's at the rear of the car now. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So the rainbow, obviously, for those who are not sure what we're talking about. So um, obviously, we're not got a picture up here, but when you watch the onboard of the McLaren from last season on the halo, they had the rainbow covering over the top of it that's now been moved to the back of the car i mean it's still there you know still to mm. promote the we races one cause although technically speaking it's Rightly not so. a part of the we races one cause anymore they've changed that but it still you know still represents the same thing as it always did it's always a nice touch to have on the car um Another thing I noticed as well, Courtney, on the car, the front of it, uh, there's a nice blue stripe now on the nose cone. Um, This is kind of the detail that we're looking at on these cars to try and see any subtle changes. Um, But on the McLaren, you know, you could look at last year's livery and this one and they look almost identical. And as you said, Courtney, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I love the uh, papaya orange on the McLaren. It was something that was introduced back in the uh, Indy race for Fernando Alonso when he raced at McLaren. I can't remember what year it was. I think it might have been... 20 oh trying to think the first one it was was it 2016 it was yeah that weekend where fernando nearly won the indy 500 on his debut if it were for an honda engine failure ironically um tried to get away from it for one weekend and bit him <laughs> the ass in indy so um but it was beautiful and the fans wanted it on the mclaren in the f1 and obviously they've run with it since and these are the traditional colors in the mclaren back in the bruce mclaren days the orange papaya so I can understand why some fans want the old school look that they had in the late nineties and, and some silver on there, especially with the Mercedes partnership uh, returning to McLaren. But as I said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think, you know, it's unique. Also, also I I think it's a little bit of a statement by McLaren where they want to be their own team, you know, because obviously when they had the silver, the silver car, I love, I love the Vodafone livery. Mm. That was my favourite, the, the silver and red, the, the iconic ones that we saw in the late Raikkonen years and then with Lewis. But I think this is a statement by McLaren. It would have been easier to go back to silver. But back then, they were the top Mercedes team. So they were pretty much the Mercedes team. And obviously, Mercedes would have helped McLaren. But now Mercedes have their own team. 
McLaren want to be, yeah, as I've already said, McLaren want to be making the statements that, look, even though we have the Mercedes engine, and as we're about to go into, they've shared some Mercedes concept, but they want to make their own story. Yes, the Mercedes engine is going to help massively, but I do think the colour scheme is definitely a statement by the team. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, they used to refer to them as the Silver Arrows, but obviously they can't call themselves that anymore. Um, mm. You know, uh, Mercedes have rightfully taken that, although Mercedes aren't really running silver at the moment anymore anyway. So um, I wasn't a fan of the 2014 silver on the McLaren. That was awful. And then the one they had in 2015, which they quickly removed and replaced it with a black and red. Um, that was even worse, that silver and red one. That was awful. So, um, no, I, I much prefer the current rebranded version of McLaren, which looks much nicer on the eye. And it's unique. It stands out. You know, you recognise it as McLaren. So McLaren's changed its livery so much over the years. So I don't see why people are complaining about the orange now. I think it suits it better than the others. But, um, you know, we're not just going to talk about the livery on this car. Um, let us know what you think of the McLaren. Do you like the livery? Um any other changes that we've missed that you ha- that you might have noticed, do let us know. And of course, um, if you're not a fan of the current livery, let us know in the comments which livery you would have preferred from what year. Let us know. Of course, we should stress a lot of these previous liveries were heavily influenced by uh, cigarette companies and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, which obviously F1 do not endorse anymore. So that's usually a big factor into why these liveries are a lot more unique and independent than they used to be. But looking at the car itself, um uh, towards the back end of this episode not a lot of changes at the front and i think we'll work our way front to back i did notice the the nose cone um is similar to the one they ran and trialed towards the end of last season very much influenced by the mercedes design and you're going to see a lot of things on this car in particular influenced by a mercedes design it was something they've been working on for the last year and a half to really try and maximize the car's performance so that when this Mercedes partnership was going to come to fruition this season, the new changes would kind of blend in with the previous ones that they made. So, you know, they've gone for a more curved design on that, similar to Mercedes, and of course, Racing Point had something similar, but it's McLaren's own little rendition of that. And there's a few sort of mounted slots at the bottom um rather than sort of like the tipped thumb shape uh which should help with the cape underneath that should give a lot more scope and i should stress that the design of the front aero there's not really a lot of change on there but that's something that they will probably look at throughout the season because that's kind of a free area and i expect most of the teams are focused on the rear uh changes um Another change that i noticed in the little teaser video that daniel and lando had with james key the uh technical director at mclaren um, very much really embedded in the McLaren program now after joining from Toro Rosso a few years back. Um, they've changed the airbox at the front of the car. It's no longer got the sort of Darth Vader mask sort of look to it. It's a bit more curved now. It's a bit similar to what Mercedes have got and other Mercedes cars are running there. So, you know, you can see the cooling elements, the side pods as well, Courtney, they're a lot more sloped than they yeah. used to be. It's an intricate detail, the sloping of the side pods um, on a lot of Mercedes power cars. Of course, Mercedes themselves used it. Um, a sloped rendition of what Ferrari created back in 2017 had really mastered it last season. And uh, you saw the same on Racing Point and also Williams. McLaren have gone for their own version of it. It's not as obvious as what I imagine those cars will be, or certainly as they were last season, but they've definitely adopted that characteristic. Um, Other obvious changes that I think we knew we expected to see was the floor being cut at that area um, towards the rear of the car. So to get rid of that sort of square shape, it's a bit more of a triangle shape towards the rear tires. We expected to see that as part of the new rules. And it's a lot more simple, no more the strakes or the 
uh, inlets, if you like, that are in there um, as part of the new regulations. Uh, the same with the rear brake ducts on the tyres as well. Um, it, you know, similar compacts on there. One thing I did notice on the McLaren, which I'm glad to see, is it's a lot more compact at the rear. Now, McLaren, like the other teams, only had two development tokens to spend this season. A lot of parts have been carried over. And McLaren had to do a deal with the FIA and F1 to really allow them to work as much of the rear as they could to accommodate this new Mercedes engine and gearbox that they're receiving for this season because it's completely different to what they had last year with the Renault. And if I'm honest, Courtney, I think this is the biggest change at the rear of the car you're going to mm -hmm. see from any team on the grid, purely and simply for that reason. But having a look at it, Courtney, um, on first glance, I've got to say, I'm pretty impressed. It looks really tidy, really compact. I mean, this is a car that three years into development, really, and considering the changes they've had to make, and they've had to work really hard, judging from what James Key, Zach Brown, and Andrea Settle have mentioned uh, at the launch, they've done a rather good job in the time that they had Courtney. I mean, what did you make of it? Yeah, for those of you who don't know, or don't know as much about the technical side of things, basically the tighter the rear end, the faster and more stable the rear end of the car is, which obviously it all comes together to, you know, give better performance. And that mm. combination of that with the Mercedes engine, it's one of the many reasons why there are calls like for optimism at McLaren. Um, it's quite interesting how you've, we've raised about rear ends. I feel a little bit nostalgic because I don't know if you remember, but our first ever episode, our first ever episode was was titled, correct me if I'm wrong, rear end and tight rear end and beaver teeth. Beaver's and it mouse. actually worked. Yeah. Your beaver's mouse. And we almost and we almost got 200 views in our first video because of that because of that clickbait. So well done for that, Adam. Oh, so yeah, it felt because yeah. that, that's what testing, that's what testing is all about. It's all about it's all about a tight rear end, isn't it, Adam? Yes, it's important. Tight rear ends in Formula One always a good thing on the cars. Um, as Courtney's mentioned, uh, the drawback, of course, is to make sure that the reliability is there in terms of cooling yes. because the tighter space is less air to cool the uh, engine pieces. But as I said, the development has been so incredible on these cars, especially with the Mercedes power unit that McLaren are getting. So it's allowed them more scope to revise that rear end a lot. And as I said, more tight and more compact. This will give them more room to develop the car over the course of the season. How much they choose to do so, that's up to debate, but it will serve them well, especially for next year's regulations to really understand this McLaren power, uh, Mercedes power unit, I should say, more. Um, and that, that's only going to serve them better in the future. The same issue we said for Williams, although they will be looking towards that in 2022 rather than this season as they increase their partnership further. But um. Another thing I did notice on the car, Courtney, uh, and this is the last little techie piece I'm going to get into for this episode. So don't worry, guys, if you're not following it, there's plenty more pieces that we haven't already mentioned. I'm sure will come to light uh, when testing comes around. As I see, as I said already, this is more like a livery launch, I suppose, than an actual car exactly, launch. Yeah. There are some details we expected on the McLaren. Um we may not see many changes at all on most of the other cars, purely and simply because they're going to be carried over largely from last year. And the rest of them aren't changing their engines, unlike McLaren are. So don't be surprised if most of these reviews, we don't really have too much to say until testing comes around, where we'll see a lot more of the 2021 cars when they're shook down. But in McLaren's case, one other thing I did notice was, um, uh, in addition to the airbox and the mirrors that were straightened as well, they look a bit more cleaner as well. So that will help the airflow towards the front and the rear. They introduced some curved slots uh, near the rear end plate, um, there's a new design from a more curved slot rear end plate, some mouthful that is. Um, 
it's very similar to what Red Bull ran in 2019. And I'm not sure why they've done this. My only theory, I suppose, is Red Bull run a very high rate car. They always have traditionally. And even though Mercedes go the lower end of the spectrum, rather than McLaren going for the strokes and the strikes at the back like Mercedes did before, they've gone for a more like a Red Bull design. My guess is to try and find a hybrid or a happy medium between both sets because they both work in their own way. But given McLaren obviously want a bit more rake on their car than I imagine what Mercedes will do, they have to accommodate the best of both worlds by by proxy. They haven't really got a choice on this matter. So it's that's an interesting design. It'll be interesting to see how that works in terms of rear downforce. I mean, the aim of the game for them is to try and recoup as much downforce as possible. Um, they they lost quite a bit over the winter with the revised rule changes to the brake ducts, the diffuser, of course, which I'll be interested to have a look at that, see what they've done with the changes there. We didn't really get a good chance to see that because short on time. Um but, you know, you know, and the floor as well. See how that works. I mean, the floor is going to be critical. Whichever team mm-hmm. gets the f- new floor design right, Corny, is going to make up a lot of time on the competition. It could be at least half a second that's there. Well, just that small snippet that they've taken off could be worth so much time to them. So whichever team nails it will absolutely enjoy the fruits of their benefit, the fruits of their labours in that regard. But, um, I mean, was there anything on the car that you noticed, Courtney, that's worth mentioning at this point? I think you've done a top job, Adam. You've you've covered it all. Um, but going back, we said about the rake. Um, it's interesting because unlike, shall we say, obviously with Racing Point last season, McLaren are going to experiment with a couple of things and not just be a Mercedes B team. You know, we've we've said it a couple of times already. They want to be they want to be competing as their own team. So I think they're going to try and use as obviously as many of the things that worked for Mercedes as possible. But at the same time be innovative themselves and if it works if it works out for them it could make them even more competitive so that is um yeah that's that's certainly a good way to go because they're they're trying a bit of both you know you it's a new partnership why not there's no harm in doing it absolutely right and um you know uh, this that's something they've got to try we'll have to wait and see there's going to be plenty of scope for development it will be interesting to see how the teams fare over the course of the year who's got it right and who hasn't and who turns their attention to 2022 first it could be very interesting to see how the season goes but above all else courtney I think it's fair to say on first sights, McLaren looked like they've done a pretty good job accommodating the Mercedes engine and power unit. This was the area I think everybody was intrigued to see how they would fare trying to, you know, it's a lot to put in. Um, You know, I don't think we can undersell this, how critical it is to, and how difficult it can be to change engines like that, especially when the rules were homologated back a year and they had to make so many changes last minute. It's not been an easy task for McLaren, but, I think all ends up they've done a fantastic job and I'm looking forward to seeing how that car does on the track. It looks good. Um, not just delivery, you know, the car looks good. It looks tidy. It looks compact. It looks good. I think Lando and Daniel are going to really enjoy driving this car. Will it be as fast as the 2020 car was at Abu Dhabi after the first race? Hard to say. I think they'd probably settle for it being just as quick as it was. Bear in mind that there's a lot of downforce that have to recoup. So hopefully they will be very much on the pace from the word go. But um, McLaren, they mentioned that they're going to be doing a shakedown to, well, on Tuesday, this has been recorded Monday night. So by the time that you guys probably listen to this or see this, they would have done their shakedown and filming. So we'll get a few more shots of the McLaren. It'll be important. They'll be testing out the engine, how that works for them. This will be the first time they've run the Mercedes engine in the car. Um, and that'll be rather exciting to see how that turns up for them. But um, 
unless there's anything else you wanted to say, Courtney, I think it's probably good to wrap this one up. Well, yeah, I'm going to give some of the opinions. I'll pull out on, on, on uh, let me go again. Let me I'll pull out on Instagram. Right, it's been a long day. We'll pull out on Instagram, put a question out. How do you think McLaren will fare? Um, got several um, several people coming with some feedback. Um, Alex Bomberg said solid third. Um, a lot of that depends on how Ferrari get on. I think I've, Ferrari are the biggest unknown. If Ferrari get it right, I imagine they'll be in third. But there's no reason why McLaren can't be the top of the midfield. Mm. Um, I have Benny. I hope I've I've been it. I hope I've pronounced it right. Um, he's, he's, he's commented on a couple of our videos. He seems to like what we do. So thank you for the support, mate. Um, he said, great pairing of um, Norris and Ricciardo. And a Mercedes engine could mean regular podiums. Yeah, why not? I, th- I think if they get it right, they could be in the hunt for some podiums. And then George Allen said, pretty good. He seems very optimistic. He said, pretty good. So good. That they'll name Mondays to McLaren. They'll rename Mondays to McLaren Mondays. So let's see how they get on with that. Well, I'm fine with that. I hate Mondays in general. So um, yeah, let's go for it. McLaren Mondays. Let's make that a thing. Um, yeah, a lot of good opinions on there. I, I think McLaren, you know, shape up to do very well. The Mercedes engine, and as I said, what they've done to accommodate that is really going to open up a lot of good things for McLaren, particularly the rear of the car, which will serve them at the front as well. So plenty of scope for improvements compared to what they already have. I can only see this being a good thing for them, providing that it works as well as it looks in terms of how they've accommodated this new package. So plenty for them to learn on that front. We'll have to wait and see if it translates to performance. But um, again, you know, will they be a solid top three? Hard to say. Four teams really in the hunt. And it was very close between McLaren, Racing Point and Alpine, or Renault, I should say, last season. Um, I expected to be equally close between those three teams. And of course, you can't ignore Ferrari, who, as I said before in a previous episode, only really need to make a very small amount of gains on average to really dominate the midfield, let alone get you know get to the front of it and mm. a lot of that could be found in their engine and also weaknesses that they had in their chassis which i'm pretty sure that they've spent a lot of time and energy focusing on too but we'll have to wait and see how that translates but um i think that's a good way to wrap it up uh, for this episode as i said guys we are going to be doing a similar episode like this regarding every single team as and when they launch their new cars with the anticipation of 2021 being a much more exciting season than people are going to give it credit for with the build-up to 2022 already underway but until then guys if you enjoyed the video make sure to like it and share it with your friends anyone who likes f1 make sure to share it with them and of course subscribe to the channel if you haven't already i was looking at the analytics brilliant those of you that have already subscribed but i'm seeing 80 percent of you guys that watch these podcasts have not subscribed you know if you watch it and enjoy it subscribe it's absolutely free and we've got plenty more content coming in the future guys so you know it doesn't hurt and it helps us out a lot we really appreciate if you guys could so that's the plea from me done um other than that you know take care guys stay safe and uh, we will see you in the next dnf1 video take care See you soon. Podcast Network.